You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Friday to you and yours. Welcome to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez here coming to you live from New Iberia Senior High School where Southside will take on Nish tonight. Uh, you can catch that game on Mustang 107.1 pregame at 645 with Steve Pelequin and myself. Back at Delta Media Studios in Cairn Crow is where you'll find James Mesh, the producer and co-host of this show. James, what's up, bud? What's up, Matt? How was your travel over How there? How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How was the travel to New Iberia? Uh, the, the drive wasn't bad. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, and then, you know, getting here and, and, like, the process of getting everything set up over here was fantastic. I never, I never questioned where I needed to go. I never questioned what room I was in, you know, the the administration at, at Nish really had everything laid out, ready to go. They had a sign that said media parking. The doors are labeled for media. Everything was super easy. So uh, can't complain too much about that. Yeah, that's pretty easy. So we've got a lot to get to today, and we're going to start with Thursday night football as the Cleveland Browns took down the Pittsburgh Steelers, shockingly. 29-17. to 17. James, we were both wrong on this one. We both picked the Steelers yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought either Trubisky would finally get it together or they would just take him out and they just go with Kenny Pickett. But neither of those happened. <laughs> neither of those yeah, happened. Yeah, no, neither, neither thing happened. And I felt like it would have been an, an offensive struggle and the defenses would reign supreme. But no, once one of them scored, both of them got into a groove, and it, it was back and forth scoring for a hot little minute. It ended up being 14-13 yeah. at the half, and then ultimately what happened was Cleveland, on the final play of the game, Pittsburgh was just you know tossing the ball behind, trying to do laterals so that way they could maybe have a, a miracle out in Cleveland. I, I don't know what you would call it if it were to happen, but Cleveland ultimately picked up the ball in the end zone because Pittsburgh just kept throwing it farther and farther backwards, and weren't moving forwards and they just fell in the end zone and got an extra six points, which helped me in one of my fancy teams. I had Cleveland defense as, as my, one of oh, my nice. starters. So nice. that was a nice little surprise. So, you, so one, one bad beat that I really saw in terms of betting was, uh, there was a player prop on chase Claypool and it was over 35 and a half receiving yards. I think it was what it was. And before that lateral play, he was at 41. So you're going to win, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he he ends up getting his hands on the ball, and he runs backwards, and he tosses it, and they they ruled it as a loss of six on Chase Claypool. So it went down to 35. Oof. And the, the line was 35 and a half. Dude, talk about a bad beat. That's that, That's so rough. You know what's also tough? That's so rough. I have David and Joku in multiple leagues, but I was after seeing him not really touch the ball the first two weeks. I was kind of scared to take that chance at oh maybe maybe he him. does it and and I just kept him on the bench. 
Oh, oh man, I played him. I played him. I thought he'd have a good night, and he did. And it, it worked out. You know, the thing is, we, we picked the Steelers, but the Browns just played so well. I mean, if you look at the stats, Jacoby Brissett was efficient, 21 of 31, 220 yards and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb just ran it right down their throat. Uh, for He averaged five yards a carry on the night uh, for with a touchdown. And then Amari Cooper, seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown as well. I mean, Najee Harris had had a had a big drive early in the second quarter, tied the game up. You know, you, but here's he the thing. Here, here's the good. I was I was gonna say here's the thing with Najee Harris, the dude can't get explosive runs. No, he can't. He he doesn't create the big play, and that's one of the big things with this offense for Pittsburgh is Deontay Johnson can get open pretty often. You can maybe do some things with Claypool sometimes, and you have a young son, George Pickens, who had probably going to be the catch of the year. But, man, you you need some more explosion. You need better deep threats or people who can get down the field more often. That's the best catch I've seen since Odell. Yeah, and, and people were saying it was, that, that, it was better than Odell. But here was, here's, the thing, uh, here's the thing with that one to me is the difference is George – NFL young boy, he pushed off to go get the ball. Still an amazing catch, but the thing is with Odell was he was getting held, and he used two less fingers. To me, that that's got to be more impressive is the fact that you're getting held and 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 you and you only and use wasn't three Odell's fingers. a touchdown? Yes, Odell's was a touchdown. Yeah, about I, I thought so. So yeah, I mean it's close, but Odell definitely still holds, you know, the 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 better one. The catch of the century. But you know, you talked about Chase. You talked about Chase Claypool. You know, getting more involved in that offense. Shouldn't he be? He's a top three receiver in the league. Don't don't you remember? Yeah, he's top three. I didn't realize top three receivers only got three catches a game. Oh my god! Poll question of the day is up on. Facebook and Twitter, who wins? Which of our local teams win this weekend? Is it going to be just one of them? LSU, UL, Saints, McNeese, one, two, three, or all of them, so that we can have a hashtag Glorious Monday. Facebook and Twitter, go vote on the poll question. Tan has already chimed in. All four will win, and as Lanyop Strohs will win out their next three in the series against the O's. I'd love that. So that w- That'd be that great. would be nice. That'd be great. That would be nice. Um, however, if you ask Kevin Foote, he, he wants them to lose. He wants to save the wins for the and postseason, I, I, I bet. Well, right, right. I, I kind of get the mindset. Uh, if you if if you win too much, you know you're gonna you're gonna pay the piper, if you will, in, in the postseason. Too many runs, so I, too I many see, wins. God, I could see where he's coming from. I don't necessarily buy into it as much as he does, but I can see where he's coming from. Um, he's the man. He's the man who invented list. the damn thing. Right, right. <laughs> guest list for today at five o'clock. We're gonna do Jake's takes with Jake Crane of Crane and Company. And then at 5.30, Dusty Thibodeau of the Warhawk Report will join us to discuss the Cajuns versus Monroe. So we have UL, ULM, LSU, New Mexico, the Saints 
Panthers, McNeese, Mississippi College, and we're also going to touch on the biggest matchups in college football and the NFL throughout today's show. I might not be in studio, however, we still want to hear from you, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So James, you know, the your, your fears were, were confirmed late last night. Ime Udoka has been suspended for the entire 2022-2023 season by the Boston Celtics for his involvement in a relationship that at first appeared to be consensual, but now maybe not. Yeah, uh, it's conflicting reports. At first it was consensual, now it was he was making inappropriate comments at her. It's, it's like, well, what is it? That To me, that so my, my thought too much sense. My thought. My thought is it started out consensual. And then maybe then he she went got too far. Worried that her, right. Maybe she got worried that her job could be on the line and was like, hey, we don't need to do this anymore. And he didn't stop. That That's just, you know, my, my two cents on it. But either way, uh, Ime Yudoka will not coach the Boston Celtics in 2022. He is suspended until June 30th of 2023, which is the final day of the league year. And it will also come with what the owners are calling a significant financial penalty. So from the sounds of it, he's not going to be paid his salary while he is suspended. Now, you know, you look at it, and if Ime Udoka was going to get suspended, you would, you would like to have Will Hardy still in your coaching staff, but now he's the head coach of the Utah Jazz. So now you're going to Joe Missoula, who is 34, and will now be one of the youngest coaches in the NBA. James, what are your thoughts on Joe Missoula and how well he can lead the Celtics? Uh, I don't know what to make of it yet. I got I to gotta see how the team responds because... Uh, Brad Stevens had a press conference earlier today and he had like made a comment saying like this even though moving on it's still affecting the team it's not like it's just going to be pushed away and it's like it's All not right. it's not going to matter it's still going to affect the team which worries me it's like how how is this team going to perform when we when they actually get on the court but one, one thing yeah I, you know one, that's that's one thing I'm still wondering about it all is how bad was it and what details are we missing? Because to me, if if how, how are you going to suspend him a whole year just for some inappropriate comments if that's just if that's just it? I know it's ultimately what did he say, but it feels like there's something missing. Well, there's right. got, there has to be something missing. There's no way it's just that. Because to and, me, and, the, and the math ain't math. But the problem, and, and, you're, and you're right, there probably is something missing, but the problem is is that you're not going to know. No, and we're not going to um, know until they're, very they're later gonna on. Leave it, they're going to leave it at, he made inappropriate comments, blah, blah, blah. He's suspended for the year, whatever it may be. Um, 
But I mean, you know, depending on what he said, I mean, you, you've seen people lose their jobs over stuff like this. Yeah, and that and that's another point I wanted to get to. If so, it was so bad that you had to suspend him yourself not even by the league you as the team suspended him for the year and he won't get paid but you're still keeping him and he'll be back in 2023 that's just odd it's like was it was so bad that you had to suspend him for that long but you're still gonna keep him i don't know definitely missing something but i don't get it i may i need more information i'm confused I I will uh we'll we'll keep an eye on it because I mean you gotta imagine over the coming weeks more details will come out. Um somebody will leak it somehow. Before we take our first time out of the show, let's look at the six high school football games getting broadcasted on our family of stations tonight. James will start with yours, one oh three seven the game in Lafayette. STM at Catholic of Baton Rouge. The Cougars coming off a big win against Brother Martin. Now they face a five-star LSU wide receiver commit in Shelton Sampson. Do you think the Cougars can go to Baton Rouge and get a win tonight? Uh, I think they'll win this one. I think it's going to be really close. The The defense is interesting because the last couple of games, especially in week two, they were able to lead really early, but then they just started to have a little bit of collapse. I feel like at some point that brunt of that schedule is, is going to get them and they're going to take a couple L's. It may be tonight, but for right now, I'm going to have to take the Cougars. See, I'm going the other way. I'm going Catholic Baton Rouge. I think their offense is too good. Uh, STM's offense obviously took a hit when you when you lose a guy like Walker Howard. And uh, I don't know that their defense is going to be able to control Shelton Sampson enough to, you know, keep them off the scoreboard. I think Catholic wins a close one uh, in, in Baton Rouge tonight. And then on in Lake Charles on 104-1, Barb at Pineville. Z1059 will have Karen Crow at Sulphur. Mustang 107-1 will have Southside at Nish. 106-3 Radio Lafayette will carry their Vermilion Parish game of the week, which is Vermilion Catholic at Erath. And then News Talk 98.5 will have the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week, which is Eunice at Northwest. And then on MeTV last night, Acadiana destroying Lafayette High 55-6. to We will update you with scores next week on those games, and we'll also recap all of our local college and pro programs on Monday as well. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back, and the game 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. Lasso a family four-pack to the Sunday, October 2nd show, and all you got to do is text the word RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's a family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the game 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout right here, 4.17 on your Friday. And when we return, James and I will break down some college football games that went down last night. And you'll hear from the New Orleans Saints ahead of their game 
against Carolina on Sunday. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, before we get to the college football scores from last night, you know, over the weekend, Arizona State fell to Eastern Michigan and Herm Edwards was fired by Arizona State on the field, might I add. Um, so that that's not great. But then the, the details get... Even even worse. Uh, reportedly, Arizona State assistants and staffers were leaking information to opponents so that Arizona State would lose and Herb Edwards would be fired. James, your thoughts? As a reminder, on the hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111, if you want to get in on the hotline, Looking at three games from last night in the world of college football. Let's start with West Virginia, Virginia Tech. West Virginia taking down the Hokies 33-10 to last night in Blacksburg. JT Daniels 20 of 30 for 203 yards and a touchdown. Virginia Tech just couldn't quite get any offense going Grant Wells completing less than 50% of his passes for 193 yards, touchdown, and an interception. You know, this game, especially the second half, was really all West Virginia. At halftime, it was 13-7 in favor of the Mountaineers, but the Mountaineers outscoring Virginia Tech 20-3 in the second half, which was the difference. And also, West Virginia getting 31 first downs in that game and dominating the time of possession. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Jay's calling in. Jay, what's up? It's crazy how the Yudoka story is getting more getting more push than the uh, Robert Service story. Uh, Boston need to go ahead and just fire him. But I understand what they're trying to do. Uh, they don't want to pay him, so, you know, spend them. Just go ahead and fire him. I think I heard they were trying to make him resign. Uh, also, the uh, new coach... I think he has some domestic violence, uh, a history of domestic violence somewhere in this past. So, you know, someone's going to come out on that. Um, wow, man, this is crazy. I know they went to the finals last year in this first season, right? That was his first season with the uh, team? Yeah, um, it was. Uh, I think that, that's details are just coming out in bit and pieces. It's not coming all out. But, man, I heard it was like a wife of a uh, executive. Like the vice president of another, excuse me, the vice president of the team. Yeah, so it's no. Just wow, get rid of. I, I haven't, I haven't seen that. But if that's true, that's crazy. Yeah, I think yeah, they just need to go ahead and move on from him. I can see him if that's the case. I can see him being the replacement of uh, Popovich. Um, 
And, uh, you know, everybody's come on. You know, I know Stephen A kind of went off, but you have to be very careful in these situations, you know, before you make an opinion on it because you just don't know. Like, there's not, you know, all the information not out yet. But yep. just go ahead and fire him. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me that he go, that he leaves because um, – and then guess what? Who knows? This could open it up for Tatum walking. Maybe Jalen Brown wants to get out because uh, they love playing for him. Right? He's a defensive-minded coach. But um, just open the door for him to coach this first. All right, thank you. Appreciate the call, Jay. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know everything that happened in, in that situation because you, you just don't. But I think I think the Celtics made the first move in what could be a, a long, drawn-out process in just suspending him letting the details play out. And if they feel, you know, down the road that they need to make a, a further move and fire him, then, you know, they can make that move down the line. But right now, I think I think the move that they made was, you know, the correct one. Let's go back to the hotline now. Jacob's calling in. Jacob, what's up? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Doing well, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, it sucks to see Herm Edwards get fired on the field. One of the things I thought about when I saw that was uh, how wild it is to think about that they were choosing. They, like, sent a flyer for Herm Edwards to be their head coach, and their backup plan was was Billy Napier because he was their offensive coordinator at the time. Or at least that's how I remember it. Um, And Herm Edwards offered him to stay on as the offensive coordinator, and then he chose to come to UL. so that's what I always think about when I hear Arizona State football. Um, Crazy yeah, to think about, huh? To this weekend, my uh, my alma mater, KU, is undefeated in football, which is wild to think about. Averaging fifty points a game, love to see it. Um, they're calling this weekend's game the Champions Classic because we're playing Duke in football. So I'd love to put one on them and show them that not only are we a better basketball school than them, but we're a better football school as well um but it's wild to see 50 points a game you ever thought you'd see that from ku in football not out of not out of ku no yeah it's um so it's good i mean i mean the 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 fact the the fact that we're talking about kansas being three and oh in football is 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 blasphemy to me and I don't even know what the line is right now, but I know it opened up at like nine or nine and a half as a nine and a half it is its, favorite. It is KU minus seven. Oh, wow. So it moved down a little. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. We're a little worried, I think, about the Cajuns this weekend, a little worried about this game, you know, other, other than the one blowout we had in Monroe where we put up an ungodly amount of points on them. Um it's always been a tight game. And one of the things I think about leading up to this one is that, you know, we've played uh, Southeastern, Eastern Michigan, and Rice. Whereas on the flip, Monroe has played Nichols, who's a good FCS team. They blew them out, like, what, 49-7. to Then they played Texas and Alabama. So, and I know they got blown out by Texas and Alabama, but my fear is we're going to go into the game take our first snap on offense, and Monroe is going to think to themselves, wow, this team is not nearly as good as Alabama and Texas who we played the last two weeks. And on the flip for us, we're going to say, wow, this team is just as good, if not better, 
than the past three teams we've played. So I, I feel we could get off to a shaky start. Hopefully we pull out the, the dub. Um, it'd be pretty sad to see us lose to ULM. Um, but rooting for the Cajuns always. Always a big supporter. Best of luck to those guys. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel, Matt. Well, what are your thoughts on that game? Uh, nervous. You know, it, it's always a close game. I'm looking at it. If you take away 2020 and then the rainstorm in Monroe in 2016, going all the way back to 2012, every game has been decided by seven points or less, other than those two. Sheesh. I mean, it, it's always a close game, no matter how good the Cajuns are or no matter how good the Warhawks are, because there was a period, you know, in the in the mid 2010s that, that Monroe was actually pretty decent. Um, hey man, Colt, Colt so, so no matter, it. yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, I don't, I don't know. People haven't talked about this a whole lot. Colton Browning is getting honored at the game tomorrow, and so some some Cajun fans are nervous at the fact that he's just going to be in the building. <laughs> Nice. I mean, nice. that the the Col the Colton Browning voodoo could be upon them in Monroe tomorrow. You know, we 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 talk about us running a two quarterback system, right? Because we put in Ben uh, Woolbridge every every third drive mm -hmm. or so. ULM used to run a two quarterbacks on the field system at the same time. Do you remember that year that they did that? I like don't. You're gonna have to jog my memory. Yeah, I forget who the other guy was. I think it was Browning, maybe Browning's first year or something, but they had two quarterbacks out there in the shotgun, and they would direct snap it to one of the two and, and roll with it. <laughs> A little trickery. Yeah. Obviously, I don't that remember that. didn't make it that long. Um, anyway, All right, right. Have a good weekend, Matt. Go Cajuns. Appreciate you, Jacob. Yeah, no, if you look at the matchups between the Cajuns and the Warhawks, so last year it was 21-16. 2020 was the 70 to 20 blowout. 2019, 31 to 30. 2018, 31 to 28. 2017, 56 to 50. That was the game where the Cajuns had to come back from the dead and force overtime, and then they couldn't finish it in overtime. Uh, 2016 was 30 to 3. That was the monsoon game. You had 30 to 24, 34, 27, so on and so forth. You get them a point. The game's always close. Um, it's in Monroe. Like I said, Colton Browning's gonna be gonna be there. I don't believe in voodoo magic, but I mean that that dude torched us for years, so I wouldn't be surprised if if something freaky happens. Uh, Monroe's pretty unproven. I mean, you look at their three games; they played Nichols. You played Nichols, um, and, and then you got destroyed by Texas and Alabama. So it's hard to put a judgment on the Warhawks and, and what kind of team they are so far this season. And then on the, the Cajuns have just been so stagnant on offense other than the second half against Eastern Michigan. I'm really interested to see how the Cajuns start this game because if they don't start firing and, you know, ripping off long drives and scoring touchdowns and wearing down that Warhawk defense, Chandler Rogers is a good quarterback, and we're going to talk to, to Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report a little bit later on. He's a guy that can make you pay if you don't make them pay first. So interested to watch that matchup tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in Monroe. Also, the Tigers hosting New Mexico at Tiger Stadium tomorrow. They will be without the services of Keishon Booty, who 
had a son with his girlfriend late last night. Uh, so Brian Kelly has excused him from the team this weekend to be with her and his family. So uh, congrats to them. Best of luck to them. And, of course, we're always wishing for a Tigers W kickoff. And that one is at 6.30 with the pregame at 4.30. And you can catch it right here on the game. Speaking of Baton Rouge, if you want to face your worst nightmares, we have it for you. It's the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have VIP tickets for the legendary Haunted House attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. All you got to do is register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Take a timeout right here, and when we return, we have audio from the New Orleans Saints, defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, and a handful of others. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. As we got a little less than 20 minutes left in this first hour. We got some Saints audio before we go ahead and get it to the Saints game on Sunday. We got a unique opportunity as we're not always able to get Dennis Allen, but they do give us offense coordinator Pete Carmichael and Ryan Nielsen. And funny enough, we got a few clips from him, and here's Ryan Nielsen talking about the Panthers running back, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he does a lot as, a, as an offensive weapon um, from running in the backfield, getting out of the backfield on passes, lining up, up, up catching passes out, you know, like in a receiver position. Um, you know, so we always have to have awareness for where he is on the field. Um, it is a big challenge, um, but I know our guys will be up for the test. Now, Matt, talking about Christian McCaffrey, he hasn't been as much of a dynamic wetmit so far in these first two games of the 2022 season. Do you think that's maybe because of Baker Mayfield, or do you think it's just because of the opponents that they played so far that they've kind of put their focus so much on him that they've had to lean more towards Baker throwing it to other receivers? So he's only got 25 touches so far this year. Which he um, usually gets that in one game. Right. Um, against the Giants last week, I mean, he played very well. 15 touches, 102 yards. He had 6.8 yards of carry. Uh, he had a couple the, the big, big runs in that one. The biggest thing I'm noticing, James, is that he hasn't put the ball in the end zone a whole lot through two games. Well, neither have the Panthers in general. Neither have the Panthers, right, that, and that's fair. Um, but, you know, usually you see Christian McCaffrey scoring for sure once, sometimes twice in a game. And uh, for him to have 100 yards rushing against the Giants but never put it in the end zone, kind of surprising to me. Well, he's had, he's had 25 rush attempts, but then he's had four receptions in each game on average for 25 yards. So it, he's definitely getting his touches, but it doesn't feel like he's made as much of an impact. I think it's maybe because they just haven't gotten into the end zone as much as you expect them to, especially since McCaffrey is healthy right now. Yeah, and it feels like maybe they're struggling to get into a rhythm with Baker and, you know, getting acclimated to everything. And obviously that's going to take some time. 
and also the the other thing is you got you got to remember that Christian McCaffrey's coming off of some major injuries over the last couple of years, so it might take him a little while to to really get back in the swing of things. But man, I mean, once he gets going, I mean, Christian McCaffrey might be the best running back in the league. Yeah, he's he's always up there for me. But here here's another thing that Ryan Nielsen had brought up, the co-defensive coordinator for the Saints, is we had talked about Baker Mayfield, but the difficulty of game planning for a new quarterback. Yeah, so so him being at Cleveland before, you know, you kind of watch the type of player that he is. You know, not necessarily the plays, but what he does, how he likes to scramble, you know, where he likes to go with the ball. And so, and then, you know, in the two games in, you know, there's enough on tape to where, you know, we can prepare, we have a plan, you know, for this type. But we know it's not like he's a rookie, you know, so he doesn't have to. We've, we've watched his tape before. To me, that sounds like, it's you're not the you're not really all that worried about Baker, even though it is something new. You've had plenty of tape to look at since he's been in the league for four years, and you can always go back to that Cleveland tape if you need to. Yeah, I mean, you obviously have plenty of tape uh, on a guy like Baker, and like he said, you know, you know the kind of player that he is, you know his tendencies, you know what he's going to do, so it becomes pretty easy to to create a game plan. But the problem that they're going to run into is that the style of play that he played in Cleveland and the style that they're playing in Carolina might not be the same. So, you know, they might line up in in, diff- in the same formation, but you got to think that Matt Rule can, can play the game as well. And, you know, you might they might make you think they're going to do one thing, but they disguise it and do something completely different. So uh, interested to see how, how that plays out on Sunday. Uh, Baker versus the Saints front seven is definitely a matchup I'm looking forward to. And, and looking at the lines themselves, Pete Carmichael was available, and he he kind of made a comment about the offensive line and how he thought that they did last week against the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I think our old line is doing a good job. They were communicating kind of the, the plays that they liked. Um, and I thought that, again, I thought our run game was, was pretty good last week. I thought uh, when you look at the numbers, we just didn't have enough opportunities. But uh, those guys are playing well. We're blocking at the tight end position as well. And the running backs, obviously, are guys that we feel real confident giving the ball to. Now, does that shock you? I know we've we've kind of been dogging on them lately, especially on the interior of the line, that they just have not was, been able to pre- protect. I was about to say, are they playing well? Or, or, are we sure that they're playing well? That that's coach speak right there. I'll put is, I'll put is a, what that is. I'll put a couple of sacks on Jameis from last week because he just held on to the ball way too long, and there were a few lanes that he could have just ran for it. But there could have been the aspect of him being injured that maybe have him be like, ah, oh, I got to hold on to it. Maybe if they maybe I get another half second, I can get it off and get it to my receiver if he's open at that point. But overall, I mean, they did do good to start off. And it felt like everything fell apart, and even when they were struggling to score beyond the first drive of the game, they just weren't able I, to get anything going. Am I the only one that feels like there haven't been interior rushing lanes for the Saints through two games? Whenever you get a pulling guard, I've noticed when you do that Taysom power and you get Andrew Speed or somebody to pull from one side to go to the other, or, or the runs with Mark Ingram... I felt like they were able to get a hole from the inside, and he was able to go up the middle. That, that That's where most of the runs came from. Because people are talking about how the Saints need to run the ball more, and I agree. But in the same sense, have have the holes truly been there for the Saints to run the ball effectively? 
I don't think so. I mean, again, like you said, if, if you pull Andrews Pete when Taysom Hill's in there, yeah, you, you might get a hole or two. And Ingram was able to bust up a couple big runs. But you could also credit that to just Mark Ingram's athletic ability. I don't think the offensive line has been great through two games. They need to be much better, not only in run protection, but in pass protection as well, uh, for, for the Saints offense to be successful. I also need Adam Trotman to do something. Go away. He needs to go away. Well, here's the thing. He hasn't been an aspect when it comes to the passing game, but whenever he's blocking and he's out on the field, we haven't heard his name. So it's almost like corners and safeties, especially corners. When you don't hear their name, usually that's a good thing. Because last year when you heard Adam Trotman's name a few times whenever he's blocking, it's because he negated a touchdown because he was holding somebody. He hasn't committed a penalty yet, and we haven't heard his name. So even though it sucks and it's like, well, you're not an aspect passing-wise, but in the run game, he's been effective, and that's what he's been since he's gotten to the league, which is weird because but, he came, he went into the draft as a receiving tight end. And, 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 I, and I agree with you. He, if if he, you're not hearing his name, he's probably blocking pretty well, which is fine. But here's my thing. The draft capital that you gave up to move up to secure Troutman as a receiving tight end, and he has been a non-factor in the receiving game his entire career, that's a problem for me. I think you also have to point towards how Jawan Johnson has been just such a weapon. How he went from wide receiver, he has. you bulked him up, and he's become that receiving threat at tight end that could be a vertical down the seams, someone similar to what you saw with Jared Cook when he was with the Saints or what you would do sometimes with Ben Watson or Kobe Fleener or Jimmy Graham of yesteryears. But he's also developed as a blocker himself. So he's earned his reps and he's earned himself and proved himself as a better receiving option than Trotman. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy Graham. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely – Juwan Johnson is definitely a better receiving option. Um, he has shown it. Jameis – likes the the chemistry that they've developed. Dennis Allen trusts him in this offense. Pete Carmichael as well. Um, and, and he's just an athlete. You know, you, you saw there was a play uh, against Tampa where Jameis kind of lofted the ball a little bit. Juwan just climbed the ladder and went and get the ball, um, which you love to see from your big body tight end. Would, um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't mind Juwan Johnson, but again, the I go back to the Adam Troutman conversation. The draft capital that you had to give up to bring him in. Granted, people say, oh, it was only a third and a fourth the next year. That's a lot for the Saints. The Saints strike gold in those rounds. Um, so to give up that draft capital, to bring him in as a receiving tight end, and again, a non-factor in the passing game since he's gotten to New Orleans, that's going to have to change. I agree. Uh, I think you need to try and get him in there more often, but at the same time, if he's not showing any signs that he can do anything with the ball in his hands and, right. he, and, he, he's, and he shows that ability to get open, you just have to look in a different direction kind of bite the bullet. It's the same thing with Peyton Turner. He's a healthy scratch. He's yeah, he- So he's healthy and he's not going to go on the field. That's concerning. Um, what What that tells me is that they just don't have have trust in him right now, and that's concerning. Um, and you know maybe maybe it's another thing. Maybe maybe we're looking into it too much. 
but you know, first glance, a healthy scratch tells me that, you know, they just don't trust him. But looking at the injury report for both Carolina and New Orleans, we'll start with the Panthers. Uh, Dante Jackson was a full participant today. He is still questionable. Christian McCaffrey, frankly, Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, and Matthew Adonis were all either full or Burns and Adonis were limited. Uh, they both, all four of those players, seem to be full go for Sunday. And then for the Saints, Paulson Adebo, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchak, Taysom Hill, Marcus May, and Jameis Winston have all been limited all week and are all listed as questionable. Traquan Smith was a full participant today, as well as Adam Prentice and Deontay Hardy. All three of those players will go on Sunday. And then Alante Taylor, limited on Thursday and did not practice today. He has been ruled out for Sunday, which is going to be a blow for the Saints, considering according to Pro Football Focus, Alante Taylor is the highest-graded rookie defensive back through two weeks. So... Again, big blow for the Saints as Alante Taylor will not suit up in Carolina. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one on the other side right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back. 454 on your Friday crunch time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, we started looking at the college football games from last night ever so slightly. Let's finish that conversation now. Again, West Virginia taking down Virginia Tech. 33-10, to 10, the Mountaineers outscoring the Hokies 20-3 to 3 in the second half. Both teams now sit at 2-2. Two and two. Illinois was just too much for Chattanooga. 31 to nothing. Illinois takes them down in that one. It was 24 to nothing at half. They add a touchdown in the third quarter to run away with that one. And then there was the Sun Belt game. Yeah, there it is. Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Georgia State was a team that you came into the season pretty high on. And uh, it didn't quite work out that way last night. I turned it on. I was a little late. Turned it on, you know, four minutes into the game. It was already 14 to nothing. I'm sitting there and I was like, man, how does Coastal already have 14? So I'll pull up the stat cast. Grayson McCall was 3-for-3 three three for 109 yards and two touchdowns. And then his freshman wide receiver, Jarrett Brown, had, ready for this, three catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns. He had hit Brown on a 50-yard touchdown and then a 53-yard touchdown <laughs> in the first three minutes of the game. Um, Grayson McCall finished with a absolutely immaculate stat line, 19 of 27 for 268 yards and two touchdowns. Jared Brown was the leading receiver, five catches for 129 yards and two touchdowns. And then C.J. Beasley, the sophomore running back, 
had 25 carries for 142 yards. He's now up to 345 for the year. Could Coastal Carolina be just as good as they've been? I mean, that was their Sun Belt opener, but they uh, they haven't looked bad this year. That's for sure. Uh, 4-0 on the year while Georgia State falls to 0-4. We will look at our four local matchups for this weekend, LSU, UL, McNeese, and the Saints. We'll talk to Jake Crane of Crane and Company and Dusty Thibodeau of the Warhawk Report in our number two. We'll also update the poll question of the day, how many of our local teams will win this weekend. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls on the hotline, 337 706 one one one. That's going to do it for hour number one of Crunch Time here on this Friday, live from New Iberia Senior High School for Southside to Nish tonight. Hour number two, right after this top of the hour sports update, we get it kicked off with Jake's takes right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of the Friday Fun Show underway. Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 502 Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Coming to you live from New Iberia Senior High School for the Yellow Jackets of Nish and the Southside Sharks tonight at 7 o'clock. You can hear that one on Mustang 1071. But before we get to that, it's time for Jake's Takes with Crane & Company's Jake Crane. Jake, what's up, bud? How are you? Hey, doing good, guys. How are y'all doing? Uh, loving this Friday afternoon. So let's open up for sure, with, with this. For sure. It means we're a day away from Saturday. No, no, no question about it. I got a lot of college football to get into. But before we do that, man, give me your thoughts on the Ime Udoka uh, year long suspension. You know, I think some more information has to come out. You know, a lot of businesses have a, you know, situation where they don't want you to, you know, date or have, a, have an intimate relationship with the employees there. Typically, you've got to disclose that stuff to HR, but I guess when you're having an affair, you don't really want to disclose that to anybody. It's a bad look. I, I've never seen somebody get suspended for this. Either they just reinstate you or they fire you. Uh, but like Blaine said, Celtics in six. I don't know. Who, who knows? It's, it's a crazy situation. Uh, I just find it very interesting that, you know, you get a full year suspension for this. Uh, yes, heh, you get the same amount of suspension for this as Calvin really does for betting on his own team in the NFL. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely something missing. Uh, more, de- Like you said, more details are going to have to come out before any of it makes sense. Moving on to the NFL, Thursday night football last night, the Browns just straight up taking care of business. Yeah, you know, I will say, though, I thought Trubisky played about as good as I've seen him play uh, for the Steelers. We know their offensive line isn't great. You know, Pickens made that unbelievable catch. But, and I tell you what, Jacoby Brissett just looked so in control of the offense. I, I thought they did a really good job of being unpredictable on early downs. You saw them going to the tight end on first and ten. They got in a lot of second threes, second fours, second twos. And when you have guys like Kareem Hunt 
and Nick Chubb. That's where you want to be. But but I thought they were pretty ba- pretty balanced offensively. The Steelers are still a really good defense without T.J. Watt, but it was a nice win uh, for Cleveland. But I was happy to see Mitch play better and, and actually Matt Canada call some plays that you know give him more chances down the field. Now, there were some shots he had early in the game before this one last Sunday that he didn't take. I mean, he was just checking down and checking down and checking down. But, uh, you know, some people thought it was an ugly game. Uh, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I thought Mitch played okay. Uh, I'm just not a big Mitch Trubisky fan. So so my next question is, you, you draft a guy in the first round, yep. is it time to play him? You know, I, I think it's – if you're the Steelers, you, you know, you got to read the room. Obviously, it's early in the season. Everybody still has a shot. But in reality, especially without T.J. Watt, I don't see the Steelers being able to compete for a Super Bowl. So why wouldn't you go ahead and, and give the kid a chance uh, to go in there and just see what he can do? You know, how much worse can it be on Mitch's bad day? Either way, you do get experience. He's had a, a couple games now to sit and watch, kind of a little redshirt situation early. But I don't think the Steelers have anything to lose. And, guys, I know it was NFL preseason, but Kenny Pickett came in, led a game-winning drive at the end of one preseason game, led a two-minute drill down the score before half. Uh, so the kid, you know, he may be slide-canceling out there, but uh, he can do some things. I'll play him. See, I'm with you. You know, you, you draft a kid in the first round, and like you said, he, he led that game-winning drive in the preseason. And, and again, you know, the Steelers aren't very good. They're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl. Why not let him get his feet wet this year and get some game experience? That's the only way he's going to get better. Look, experience is the one thing you can't teach, right? Why are players more valuable coming out of the transfer portal than they are at a high school? Well, because they have experience. It's, it's more of a, it's, it's a steadier product. You know what you are getting. You've seen them compete at that level. So it just is what it is. Now let's, let's go to your Auburn Tigers real quick, uh, Jake. You know, Brian Harson. You know, I feel like every Saturday that, that comes and goes, his seat gets a little bit warmer over there on the plains. You know, how, how much longer does Auburn keep him around? Well, it depends on what happens against Missouri this weekend. If they lose this one, I don't think he makes the post-game press conference. It's a matter of time. I mean, you know, it, I, with that team, unless Ryan Harson knows magic or sorcery, uh, you didn't. it's not going to work. You didn't go get anyone out of the portal on the offensive line. You went and got Zach Calzada. With all the quarterbacks that were in the portal, you went and got Zach Calzada. You went and got some receivers. I mean, the worship kit for Miami didn't really do anything. Brian Harson's just struggling to recruit. And I know he was put in a bad position by the boosters, but he also gets outcoached literally every game. I mean, you lost five games last year in a row because you got out-adjusted at halftime. You can't – it's like we say, you know, you, if, if you're trying to play, you can't be, you know, short and slow. You better be really good at one thing that matters the most. Brian Harson, I just don't think, can do it at this level. All right, Jake, you talked to us before, and you told us that you're a Saints guy as well. Are you worried about Jameis' injury? Well, with Jameis, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was so interesting when he came out, and they're like, yeah, uh, before the first snap, he's got a couple fractures in his back. You know, they said it like he, you know, pulled his toe or something. I mean, that, that's something that doesn't go away. Uh, Jameis is, has... You know, when you play in the NFL, you're going to beat up, get beat up. 100% is a fake number. Nobody's ever 100%. But with a quarterback, with as much force as Jameis generates throwing a ball, which is one of his strengths. I mean, look at the BB he threw Michael Thomas out of the goal line, what I call the laser fade uh, for the touchdown, and then he hit him on the back hip the next drive. He's got to be able to throw the fastball. Jameis isn't good enough not to, be able to, to not be able to throw the fastball. Whole shots against cover two. 
fitting it in there between the linebackers and the safeties on the dig. So, yeah, I'm worried about it. You're always one hit away, but now you're one medium hit away uh, from being hurt. Yeah, you know, you, you, you hit it perfectly. They were so nonchalant about, like, uh, yeah, you know, fractures in his back, but he's, he's good to go. Like, are, yeah, are you I, it shocked me the way they said it. I was like, I, look, I looked at my brother, and I was like, yeah, that, that's a big deal. I mean, people, if you've ever had a back injury, if it's your first time having one, you don't realize how much you use your back until you hurt it. And it's so oh, yeah. it's such a painful thing to go through. And I know, you know, you can get injections and they can, they have the best rehab uh, that you could possibly have. But when you're taking hits from six foot four, three hundred pounders that are running full speed and landing on you, there's not an injection or a rehab plan in the world outside of putting them in a bubble suit that would save that. Yeah, that's that's just a a poor situation. Quickly before we get to some picks, when do do you think the Saints should go to Andy Dalton? Uh, you know, I, I think you just got to see how it goes. You got to play it by ear. You're, you're lucky you have a guy like Andy Dalton who has experience. I mean, is he the best quarterback in the NFL? No, but we've seen what he's done throughout his career. He's kind of been up and down. I think he may, you know, slowly start replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick as a guy that can come in and give you something a couple games and then blow up one game. But I, I don't think you go to Andy until you have to. It's fair. That's fair. Chatting with Jake Crane here on Jake's Takes on Crunch Time. Let's make some picks now. Clemson and Wake Forest is a game that, you know, is, is interesting because Clemson, they're ranked five right now, but they're not the, the same team that they've been in years past. And the Wake Forest just got Sam Hartman back. What do you like about this ACC matchup? Man, you know, to me right now, they look like the exact same team from last year. Uh, really good on defense. You know, DJ use a clock still looks slow to me. It still feels like he panics a little bit. I really think, guys, this could be the game where DJU struggles, Wake Forest has a lead, Cade Klubnick comes in, saves the day, and never leaves again. Sound familiar? <laughs> Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. We've seen this movie before. It's like Clemson's script no. for future success. I think this game, the biggest thing for Wake Forest is you have to have, and I talked about this on the show today, you have to have an escape plan for when the slow mesh RPO doesn't work. Because that's their bread and butter. Uh, it's, it's basically zone read built in with a slant and a couple other combinations off the side of it. Clemson is going, they're not going to give you that much time. So how can Wake Forest get in second and five? That's the goal. If they do that, I think they'll be able to compete with them. They've got to stay ahead of the chains, which is really tough with Brian Greasy and the aliens that Clemson has, not only on the defensive line, but on that front seven. I think Clemson ends up winning, but I think it's because Kate Klubnick comes in, takes the job, and never gives it away again. Yeah, Cade Klubnick's been impressive in limited action. You know, DJU, like you talked about, panics too much. Uh, he, he's definitely not the guy that they hyped him up to be out of high school. Um, Jody Foster. Big 12. Yeah, that, that's a good comparison. That's a good comparison. Big 12 matchup, Baylor-Iowa State. This game intrigues me. Iowa State replacing Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Baylor, great year last year, hanging around again under Dave Aranda. Great matchup in the Big 12. Who you got? Ames is a tough place to play. Give, but give me Baylor. Uh, but get really, in reality, give me the under. I got it uh, on the alternate line at 49.5. I think this is going to be a physical lineup and run it. A lot of field goals kicked. But I do think Blake Shape and the quarterback at Baylor makes in enough plays down the stretch to be able to win this game. I like Baylor. SEC primetime matchup, Billy Napier in Florida, 
Tennessee with Josh Heupel, you know, Hendon Hooker having a pretty solid year. Rocky Top, Neyland Stadium is a tough place to go play. Can Billy Napier get it done? Man, I don't think Florida can score enough points to hang with Tennessee. Tennessee is going to score. The, the trick for Florida is time of possession. You know, and you have to go to Anthony Richardson in the quarterback run game, not just the, oh, you know, first two reads aren't there. If, if Anthony even makes it to the second read, I'm going to take off and scramble. Run some Q power. Run some Q lead. Run some power read. Keep the ball every once in a while on the zone, read Anthony Richardson. If it's me, with the way Anthony's throwing the ball and the way defenses are playing you, I would run Anthony Richardson 20 times a game. You got him one year. You got him one year. It's like renting a Ferrari and just driving through a bunch of school zones at 15 miles per hour. Hell no, man. I'm going to run that thing 110 miles per hour if I'm renting a Ferrari for a day. So if Florida doesn't control the clock and they're not able to, to use Anthony Richardson in the run game effectively – this game could get really ugly really quickly. Texas and Texas Tech used to be a fun matchup in the Big 12. Now Texas Tech, you know, kind of falling off the face of the earth a little bit. On their way back up, but uh, definitely not the program they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Who you got in this one? Man, I think Texas is going to find a way to win, but I feel like it's going to be tight. Lubbock is not an easy place to play. They are rebuilding there, new coaching staff. The thing is, Texas Tech is really small. They're a very small team. We've seen how physical Texas is. I thought Texas did a good job bouncing back, not only beating UTSA, but the way they beat them. I mean, covering, I thought after playing Alabama and being so beat up, and, and you saw that a little bit in the first half uh, when UTSA got out to a couple leads. They were fresher. It was a much bigger game for them. But Texas answered, which showed maturity to me. I think Texas wins, but a little bit closer than what people are thinking. Arkansas A&M. Oh, man, this is probably the toughest game. Arkansas State uh, secondary, we know they've struggled. Jalen Catalan's out. Max Johnson coming in. Great move. About time, right? About time. Been screaming it during the summer. I believed in Haynes King about as much as the Snuffleupagus. I think Max gives them a better chance. I think you're going to see a decent amount of points scored in this game. But just something about Sam Pittman in Arkansas, man. Sometimes when it looks close, you just got to go with your gut. You got to go with your instinct. I think K.J. Jefferson makes enough plays, but I'll say this. I think a game-breaker in this game, a guy to keep an eye on in this game, especially in the red zone, is Arkansas tight end Trey Knox. This kid's got a ton of potential. He's got very strong hands. He's big-bodied, and he can run. I expect Arkansas, they, they targeted him six times against Cincinnati. He got one target against South Carolina, three against Missouri State. Do not be shocked if Trey Knox has a big game. Pac-12 after dark, USC, Oregon State. And this is like a Globetrotter game, first to 80 wins. Um, here's the thing. This game's going to come down to who in the red zone can score touchdowns and not kick field goals. There will be no problem with either one of these teams moving the ball between the 20s. You, it will seem like every play is inside the red zone, outside of explosive plays that score for touchdowns. So who, when the field shrinks, when the safeties are able to come up, can line up and run the ball effectively enough to still create openings and not just throw, throw up jump balls to Jordan, which isn't a bad <laughs> idea to throw Jordan Addison a jump ball, but you have to have, you got to be able to dribble with your left a little bit in the red zone. That's what it's going to come down to, because I'm not a mathematician by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know seven's worth more than three. All right, a couple more for you, Jake. LSU, New Mexico. Seems like an easy matchup. Can the Lobos cover the 31 and a half? No Kayshawn Boutte, but I mean, New Mexico is absolute hot dog water. Um... I'm probably not going to touch it. Uh, I would say I think 
I don't think New Mexico covers. I, I don't think they score. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, some belt matchup in the state of Louisiana. How about UL and ULM? Some people call it a rivalry game. Some people don't. Uh, usually a pretty close game up in Monroe. Who wins that one? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with, with uh, UL. It's still so weird for me to not say ULL. When, after playing and coaching in South Alabama, that's always what we called them. It's, it's just like ingrained in my brain. Uh, didn't mean for that to rhyme either. Uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take you uh, UL. I'll take Lafayette. It just Monroe just doesn't have enough weapons. Um, you know they actually I know they got beat 63 to seven, but for the first two and a half quarters I thought they played Bama way better than I thought they were going to. But they just don't have the horses. Give me uh, the raging Cajuns. All right, three NFL games for you, and I'll get you out of here. Saints Panthers. Uh, give me the Saints. Uh, the Panthers. It's just been ugly. I mean Baker. Baker doesn't have a ton of weapons. Robbie Anderson just runs down the field every time, and we know Christian McCaffrey's a witch, uh, but he gets hurt you know, before the fifth game, it seems like, every season. Give me the Saints. They find a way to come marching in after a tough loss against the Bucks. Bills-Dolphins. Look, if the Bills are playing, I don't care if they're playing Heaven's Army. I'm taking the Bills right now. Uh, even though the, you know, the Dolphins did look really good, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill both went off. Uh, do you want to give a thank, shout-out to Jalen Waddell? He's on my fantasy team. Huge reason why I beat Matt Walsh last week, but that's neither here nor there. Give me the Bills. They're a freight train. They've added Von Miller on defense. They're the best team in the NFL right now, which makes them the best football team in the world. Rams and Cardinals. Uh, man, i, I got to go with the Rams. The Cardinals, it was a great comeback last week. Uh, another thing that was huge for my fantasy team, Kyler decided to show up. Uh, it's like he's playing video games the whole first half. But they don't have a ton of weapons, man. I mean, D-Hob doesn't come back until after week six. You look around. Not a whole lot to go to. I think the Rams have more weapons. I just think they're a better overall team. Give me the Rams to top the Cardinals. I'm going for the Rams in this one, too, because uh, the, the COD open beta is out this weekend, so Kyler might be a little preoccupied. No, that, yeah, well, they, they may not score a point. I may have to pick up a fantasy quarterback. <laughs> Jake Crane of Crane & Company joining us for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you each and every week, my man. Have a great weekend of college and pro football. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Auburn, hire Hugh Freeze. Be smart. All right. Well, I'll let y'all. There he goes, Jake Crane of Crane and Company. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you join the Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse of Cypress Bayou a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. I mean, fellas, who doesn't, what lady doesn't love a steak, some oysters, or some just good down-home cooking? The only way to score these great prizes is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's free, and it's simple, and it's, I mean, I can't stress the simplicity of it enough. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, so go sign up today. We'll take a time out when we return. James Mesh and I will make our picks for those games this weekend right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 23 after the hour here on your Friday afternoon. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, James, let's make our picks for this weekend and let's go back through that list we just gave Jake Crane Clemson and Wake Forest you know again Clemson 
interesting setup with DJ Ugalale. Good defense, but you got a ferocious quarterback in Sam Hartman on the other side for Wake Forest. James, who you got? Man, Wake Forest is an offensive powerhouse, and it feels like Clemson just hasn't been the same since Trevor Lawrence left. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and take Wake Forest in this one. I think I am too. They're, they're, the way they run the RPO, uh, they can just get a little bit faster with it. I, I think they, you know, demolish. They they could pick apart a a Clemson defense. Although Clemson defense, like Jake said, is really good. Um, I, I think Sam Hartman can can dissect them little by little throughout the stretch of the game and dominate the time of possession. Uh, Wake Forest wins that one. Baylor Iowa State. Baylor's the favorite, but Ames is a very tough place to play. Uh, this one could be interesting. For me, I'm going to have to lean towards the home team. I'm going to have to take the Cyclones. Uh, I like Baylor a lot, but I was always in there in, in the ranked territory, and they're just outside of it, but then also Baylor's at 17. I think when it comes to them having to travel all the way to go to Iowa, I feel like that may affect them a little bit. I'm going to have to go with Iowa State. I've got Baylor in a close one. Okay. Um, I, I think Dave Aranda's offense does just enough to, to sneak out a victory and, and get out of Ames with a W, uh, which would be a big one for, for their resume in that Big 12 matchup. Uh, SEC primetime on Rocky Top, Florida, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee scoring points at will so far this season. Uh, Florida struggling a little bit on defense. They may be without Ventrell Miller once again. Uh, it, for for the Gators, James, can Billy Napier get it done? I think the fact that you now have gotten one of your SC opponents out the way, you don't you don't have like that worry almost anymore of like, what is Billy gonna do against his first SEC opponent at at an SEC school? I think now that you've gotten that experience out the way, and then this will be Tennessee's first SEC matchup. I think that plays in the favor of the Gators, even though they're going to be at Tennessee. I'm going to take the, the Gators on the road. See, I, I've got Florida, too. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, Tennessee's offense is phenomenal, like I mentioned. But if Florida can get – I think the X factor in this game is going to be Ventrell Miller. If Ventrell Miller suits up and goes for Florida – uh, I think the Gators do just enough down the stretch to win this game. If and, not, I might have to lean Tennessee. And here's the thing with here's the here's the thing with the Volunteers. It feels like everyone has just kind of jumped on that bandwagon, and no one is even looking at Florida right now. That to me, that's what it feels like. It feels like everyone is just all in love and all goo goo gaga over Tennessee right now. I think I think the fact that the floor is not getting that attention. I feel like you could use that as bullet. If you're Billy Napier, you could use that as bulletin board material. Yeah. Yeah, you could. That game is definitely going to be interesting tomorrow at 2.30 on CBS. Texas, Texas Tech is another interesting one. You know, Texas, you just can never quite figure them out. Um, had the opportunity to beat, Oklahoma, I mean, Alabama and just couldn't get it done. Uh, Texas Tech. On the up under Joey McGuire, new program, new coaching staff. I don't think they quite have the bullets in the chamber to take down Texas. Give me the Longhorns and a close one. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Texas in this one. I, I think they're they're a couple levels above Texas Tech right now. And whenever 
whenever you only lose by one point to Alabama, when you were a heavy underdog, that t- that's a lo- that shows a lot of good signs for your program, and I gotta believe in the Longhorns in this one. Arkansas A and M over at Jerry's World in Dallas. You know Arkansas. Sam Pittman's got that team reeling under KJ Jefferson at quarterback. A and M. You know, little wishy washy. They've you know people had high hopes for them with that number one recruiting class. Obviously, that's going to pay dividends for them next year. But right now, I mean, some some fans in College Station are calling for Jimbo Fisher's head. You know who who you got in this one? Yeah, I was one of those people that were really high on A&M strictly because of that recruiting class. But I got to lean towards the Razorbacks in this one. I think they're they're just much better of a team. I like their quarterback better. And to me, if you're calling for Jimbo right now, I feel like that's got to be in his head at least a little bit. Yeah, here's the problem, though. Jimbo knows how much is owed to him if they do want to buy him out. And that's just not going to happen. The way he's recruiting, I mean, they can go eight and four every year, and Jimbo Fisher's going to keep his job. Um, so I don't see Jimbo going out of College Station anytime soon. I will take the Razorbacks in this one, though. I think KJ Jefferson is just going to be too much to handle in that one. Uh, USC, Oregon State, Pac-12 after dark. Lincoln Riley's offense against a solid. Oregon State defense, and of course the Beavs get brownie points for our guy Brendan Ertle. Who you got? Yeah, I was gonna say. Spe- speaking of Big Ert, I might have to, I might just go out on a limb here and and take the Beavers just just to be different. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. since they're also I mean, hosting in this one. That's certainly not a bad pick. I mean, Corvallis is a terrible place to go play. I mean, that is just that is a ruthless environment. In Corvallis, um, USC, again, plenty of talent. Just I haven't seen them put it all together against a big, a big-time program yet this year. Interested to see how that game goes. I've got the Trojans, but it's awfully close in that one. Um, LSU, New Mexico. The Tigers are going to win. The question is by how much? That's a very good question. I know Jake had just talked about how he doesn't think the Lobos are even going to score. To me, I feel like to hold you—you you had a good opportunity to stop Southern for a whole sixty minutes, and you ended up giving up seventeen to them. One of them was a pick six in the fourth quarter, but nevertheless, you still had two other times where you gave up points. I think the—I think New Mexico—they may be able to get in a couple of scores, whether it be a touchdown, a field goal, or just a couple of field goals. Who knows? But to me, I, I think. LSU, even though you don't have Kayshawn Booty for this game, you got to see people step up. You still got plenty of options, and you need to score 45-plus. That's, yeah, that's a minimum. You're going to have to. That's a minimum. I need you to score at um, least 45. I see this game being 48-7. I wouldn't be mad at that. I would not be mad at that at all. I, I, I see a 48-7 game. Uh, I, I think New Mexico scores a, a garbage touchdown late. And don't get me wrong, New Mexico's defense, I mean, Rocky Long, he's he's been doing it for a long time. He did it at San Diego State for years. The Cajuns played against his team in the New Orleans Bowl back in 2011. Uh, he's he's a great coach. Now he's the defense coordinator in New Mexico. His defenses are solid. I mean, you saw New Mississippi State's defense last week. Zach Arnett, Mississippi State's defensive coordinator, he comes from the Rocky Long coaching tree. 
Um, so very similar defense that LSU is going to face. However, I think LSU's offense is just going to be too much to handle in this game. Uh, so give me the Tigers, at, like I said, 48-7. James, UL, ULM, who, who wins that battle in Monroe? I think at a certain point, we saw it last Sunday with the Saints and Bucks. Streaks come to an end at some point, and I'm getting that feeling that the Cajuns, two away games in a row, ULM, they've always played UL close for the most part, except for one game here or there. But UL's had their their number the last four years. I, th- I think the Warhawks get them. I, I think I think there's another hiccup in Coach Dez's. 2022 campaign Cajuns win but man that nine point line I don't like it yeah I said that I said that last week I didn't like the line last week and I turned out to be very right um I don't like the line this week either I could see ULM winning however I think the Cajuns are angry after that loss to Rice the way it happened and I think they come out and and control the game uh, obviously, Monroe's got the talent to stay around. Uh, a seven-point victory for the Cajuns. I can see a 35-28 to 28 game. I worry. Uh, Cajuns win. I worry about that two-QB system, man. I, I don't like it. I've never seen a QB, two-QB yeah. system work out for somebody in the long run. Yeah, I agree. It, it is not a, it's not a great system. Um, I mean, I mean you, if, you want, if, you want to count, if you want to count what ultimately happened with Levi Lewis... Sure, we may be able to count that, but that's like the one exception to the rule. But that also wasn't a super successful. Exactly, but it, it, it led it led to Levi becoming the guy that he was at UL. Is what I'm yeah, saying. I'll, it worked I'll, down I'll the line, but in that time, I didn't like it, and I and I don't right, like Saints, how this is. Saints, Saints, Panthers, Saints. I'm not super confident in this pick, but I'm gonna take Saints. It feels like it's a must win. I know it's only week three. But the fact that you would go one and two in your division, losing to both the Bucks and the Panthers, I know that I know Jameis has not a very good record in his career against Carolina. But man, Baker Mayfield, this is your perfect opportunity because a lot of people, a lot of people that listen to us were saying, "Go get Baker Mayfield. We don't want Jameis." This would be one of those games where you can prove them wrong and be like, "Look, this is why you should have stuck with me." Yeah, that's fair. Um, I've got Carolina. I I think Jameis's back injury is just too much of an issue, and I I think you see a very similar game to what you saw th- this past Sunday against Tampa. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, I just if Christian McCaffrey's healthy and he becomes a factor, Baker Mayfield can get more acclimated with his receivers and as a line. If Jameis has any sort of a game that he had bat- this past Sunday, Carolina wins. Looking at the Bills-Dolphins uh, game, who you got? Oh, the Bills. Oh, God. I got the I got the, the Bills Dol- as well. Dolphins, to me, I'm not sold on Tua. I don't care if Martin believes in them. To me, it's it's Bills all the way until they lose. And even then, I'm the still Dolphins, taking them after that. The, the Dolphins are good, but right now what I've seen from the Bills, I'm taking the Bills over anybody. Yeah, and then Rams. Over Cardinals. anybody. Rams Cardinals. I'm taking Rams. Rams. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I think it, I think it's going to be a back and forth season throughout the year with Kyler Murray. He's going to have a good game, bad and then, game. And then quickly, let's do this one: McNeese, Mississippi College. This is a must win for McNeese, right? If not now, when? I mean, really, this is this is your best opportunity to 
to get a win on the board. And this is also at home. You're going to be at a Cowboy Stadium. You got to win at some point as a new coach, and you got to get that first win off your back. You got to get that yep. monkey off your back, man. No, no doubt about it. Take a time out right here when we return. Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report joins us for a quick preview on the Warhawks and Cajuns right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Hundreds of new casino games as well, including the coolest European slots with live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sports book with integrity. You need a sports book with longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today at 1 800 BetUS. That's 1 800 BetUS, and they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. Join now and mention KLWB to get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the games begin. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 40 minutes after the hour here on Crunch Time. We're joined by Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report. Dusty, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Just uh, making my way to the big game for this weekend. Anxious to... Uh Kind of see how the Warhawks look at home. Uh, last year, you know, only four wins, but all four wins coming in Malone Stadium. The Raging Cajuns coming in off that disappointing loss last week that I saw firsthand uh, against Rice. It's it's shaping up to be a great Sunday conference opener. Yeah, you know, Terry Bowden, you know, he talked about it when he took over a, a winless team and, and brought him to four wins in year one, slowly starting to turn this program around, you know, I know it's hard to judge the Warhawks so far after getting blown out by both Texas and and Alabama. What have you seen from this team so far? Yeah, I mean, you take the two plays away from the Texas game, and, and you know, I think that there's a lot of good that you saw in that opener against Texas. Um, they would have covered had they not had the pick six, the blocked punt for a, a touchdown. Did as expected there against Nichols, and then Alabama. It's Alabama, man. I mean, I, I don't think any team in the Sunbelt Conference would fare any better. They might have put up a couple more points, but it still would have been just an absolute manhandling as we saw this past week. You got to pay the bills though to play those games, and so you know, so is the life of the mid majors. Now you just got to flush it, forget it, and move on. Yeah, no, no question about it. Looking at the Warhawks, you know, you talked about that win over Nichols, and then you talked about a little bit about how they, you know, could have covered against Texas. What have you liked out of ULM so far this year? I think Chandler Rogers has really shown some good things there. A, a guy that's really smart and, and picked up on this new offense there that technically new offensive coordinator Matt Kubik brought to the table, uh, knowing that he's come back to ULM after a, a couple years absence. He's really picked up on it. And, and the offensive line, even though they're all young as uh, freshmen or sophomores across the board, they've started to come together. So I think as the, 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 season, the season kind of progresses, we're going to see them get together a little bit better, and you're going to see even more big plays out of Chandler Rogers. And then, you know, where do you, what area do you see that the Warhawks need to work on the most? 
special teams, without a doubt. I I get that they were playing the Texas, Alabamas, and, and both of them had uh, block punts there against the Warhawks for, for scores. But things like that just can't happen. Um, because if they do, regardless of who you're playing, you're, you're probably not going to win that game. And so I think that special teams is, is definitely the area that, that's got to improve to not only have a chance this week against the Cajuns, but going down the road throughout the Sunbelt Conference as well. Chatting with Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report here on Crunch Time. You know, Boogie Knight is a guy that going into the season, you know, he, he people were high on him. You know, he had a good year last year. He has one of the all-time names in, in college football. But he's been pretty quiet through three games. Now, does that contribute to the fact that they played Texas and Alabama? Were defenses planning for him? Or is he just off to a rough start? I think D, all of the above. I, I, I think that the name has really drawn the attention, and they know that he is the big playmaker or has the big playmaking capabilities. But he's seen double, sometimes even triple teams, that he just hasn't been able to get open to make those plays. I think that as we kind of come down to our level to Sunbelt Conference, I think that he'll be able to really showcase his skills. I do think this week he'll, he'll be challenged, though, with that Cajun secondary that, that's pretty good under Lamar Morgan. You know, looking, look, talking about Boogie Knight being quiet, who has stepped up at that skill player spot to kind of to fill the void? Yeah, I think tight, tight end uh, Zach Rasmussen has been a, a big name and a big target there. The tight end's always been a big part of Yolen's offense in years past and again this year as well. Um, the running back, Malik Jackson, Andrew Henry, also big contributors there to get the run game going. And then lastly, you know, the defense has been hard to judge so far, but from what I can see, good talent at the linebacker spot. What can you tell us about this Warhawk defense? Yeah, I mean, it definitely starts all all up front there. The, the front three, uh, Caleb Thomas anchoring it down as a grad student. Still, then you have Zach Woodard at the linebacker. The linebackers, though, are really kind of faster safeties is, is the way they're really kind of schemed out to be. But it almost seems like it's three down linemen and then everyone else is, is a uh, safety defensive back to, to cover the mid and the, the deep ball. So it's kind of an interesting uh, defense that we've seen so far out of first-year defensive coordinator Vic Coney. Anxious to see what he can do against this uh, passing attack there at Chandler Fields and, and the Raging Cajuns. Give me some keys to victory for the Warhawks, Dusty. I think the biggest thing, you, you, you can't beat yourself. You know, you got to limit your turnovers, as cliche as that sounds. And the special teams really got to stand stand up and, and make the plays that they need to. Beyond that, I, I think last week Rice kind of showcased that the, the Cajuns are not, uh, you know, the uh, Goliath that we all thought that they were going to be and that there is a way to beat them. Whether or not that same kind of game plan would work this week, I don't know. I think that uh, Coach Dez would, would kind of have the, the ship righted and, uh, you know, it's going to be another great game on the bayou. Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report joining us with a preview of ULM before the Cajuns take on the Warhawks tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Malone Stadium. Dusty, really appreciate you taking the time. Safe travels to Monroe, man, and uh, have fun at the game. Thanks, man. See you all. And there he goes, Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report. You know, an interesting, again, we, we've talked about it a lot in today's show, it's always a close matchup between the Cajuns and the Warhawks. 
Who's going to step up and make a play down the stretch to really win that one for the Cajuns? We'll take a timeout, come back, wrap up today's show after this right here on the game at 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up here on your Friday afternoon here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 53 after the hour James, let's update the poll question one final time on today's show. How many of the local teams will win this weekend? Will it be one, two, three, or all of them setting up for a glorious Monday? So far, 4.3% have said one, 13% say two, 30.4% say three, 52.2% say all of them. Hey, if all of them can win and we can have a, a, a great Monday show to kick off the week, I'm good with that. I'd love it. I'm I, not going to complain with that. I, I would not either. And then, you know, if you could throw in a, a couple Astros wins over the weekend. At least two of them. That would make it even better. If you can at least split the yeah, series. Yeah, that would make it even better. Um, you know, high school football tonight, college football tomorrow, NFL Sunday and Monday. James, I, I know you're working the LSU game tomorrow in Baton Rouge. What are you looking forward to with that? Looking forward to meeting some of the people that we have on a bunch of the time. Looking to meet, you know, Matthew Bruni, Koki Riley. Finally, because you had met Wilson Alexander yourself. I don't know if Wilson's going, but I believe he would be, and then I'd be able to get to meet him then. No, he, he'll, he'll be there. Yeah, so um, get to meet a bunch of the people that we have on all the time. And, you know, isn't this your first trip to Tiger Stadium? Uh, first time since I was, like, six months old, yeah. So, so yeah, first trip to Tiger Stadium. That doesn't count, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, first trip to Tiger Stadium. You, you get to meet a lot of the people that we have on on a regular basis. Um, piece of advice, enjoy the food. The, the, you don't the have to tell me that twice. The in Tiger Stadium is absolutely incredible. So, enjoy the food. Um, my my guy Steve Pelican, my broadcast partner, just walked in with some with some food that that's tempted me. So I'm gonna have to go hit that up here in a couple minutes when we get off. But uh, yeah, you know, again, LSU should win handedly. The question is gonna be by how much. And you know, with the Saints, how injured is Jameis? How effective is Christian McCaffrey going to be? And then for the Cajuns. Can they just respond? Can they rebound off of that disappointing loss to Rice and beat a team that, that always plays them you know, very, very closely? Uh, that's the things that I'm watching for this weekend in those matchups. Yeah. Uh, I need, There's quite a few rebounding that you need to see. And what I'm really curious about is to see how McDeese is able to play. Yeah, you know, Gary Goff's got that program, you know, buying in, but the results on the field just aren't there yet. And obviously they're going to give him time. I mean, this is only, 
you know, he's only three weeks into his coaching tenure at McNeese. But uh, and he's talked about how he's going to be here for the long term. Yeah, Owen Owen three. If you fall to Mississippi College to start the season zero and four, you know, if you're the Cowboys, confidence levels gotta gotta start declining a little bit. But um, definitely interested to see what those teams will do this weekend. Monday's show, we'll recap it all. And, of course, we'll do Tiger Talk with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Jake Crane of Crane & Company, bringing us his picks and catching up on the storylines of the day. And then Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report covering the ULM Warhawks as they prepare to take on the Raging Cajuns tomorrow night at Malone Stadium with a 7 o'clock kickoff. LSU will kick off at 6.30, pregame at 4.30, and you can catch it right here on the game. High school football tonight, Southside and Nish on Mustang 107.1, Karen Crow on Z1059, STM on 103.7, Barb on 104.1, the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, and the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98. Five. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.